0: Welcome to Trinity, we're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. So we're having a break from Revelation today, so our reading is Matthew 4 verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city And set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you you up in their hands. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Thanks be to God.
1: Amen. Amen. Just got my little helper to get me the lecture. Thank you, darling. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, for those that don't know, my name's Amy. Uh, Johnny and I are married, uh, and we lead the church here together with an amazing team. Um, You're going to pray for me, are you? All right.
2: Thanks, darling. Why don't we uh, just take this moment as we've heard Scripture read to us to ask God to speak. Father, thank you that your word says that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power comes from Christ and not from us. Father, I thank you that there is treasure in this room, so much of your treasure hidden in the weak and fragile bodies that we inhabit, the weak and fragile minds that we have. Mm. And in that place and, and through our weakness, you're letting it shine mm. out to the world for the sake of your glory. And I pray this morning that you would come and minister to us in our fragility. Mm. We come as we are today. Jesus, and we, as we reflect on what it means to worship a God who entered into the wilderness, we pray that you would come and meet us in the wilderness. I pray that you would meet Amy there. I pray that you would meet every one of us there. Minister, send ministering angels, the same angels that waited hand on foot on Jesus. Would, would you send uh, angels to us today? And Lord Jesus, would you rouse the angel of this church? Would you um, strengthen the witness, the witness of this church through mm-hmm. the preaching of your word? Would you stir up the waters, God, for healing? Stir up the waters for salvation in this place. Mm-hmm. Lord, we love what you're doing. We are not content with it, though. There's more, mm-hmm. and so we welcome the more this yes, morning. Jesus. Bless mm-hmm. us as we hear your word. Bless Amy as she speaks Jesus. it. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: I'm just going to add, so Holy Spirit, I um, I pray, I really pray that you would come and that you would fill, uh, fill me with your presence, God, which I pray, God, that you would um, use my words this morning. I pray, God, that you would um, just even bring to my mind what it is that you want to say through me, and I pray, God, for everyone in the room uh, that what I'm about to speak on, the battle the battle that we are in, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring liberation, that you would bring freedom this morning in such um, tangible um, and uh, breakthrough ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, good morning, everyone, again. Uh, I just wanted to add my, I guess, my uh, Thanks to those that were able to join us for the weekend. Um, Johnny and I have the enormous privilege of receiving the emails. <laughs> um, and so we have had some stories um, from people that have um, that were there and what God has been doing and the ways in which he has broken in in really significant and powerful ways into their lives and um, brought about clarity and revelation and all that amazing stuff. So uh, it is uh, wonderful, and I think we'll probably have an opportunity to share some of those stories sort of more widely to, um, to really encourage us and build up our faith. So um, thank you so much for being there. It was really wonderful. Is this really annoying? No? Not rustling. Okay, there we go. Um, but yeah, as Lauren said, we are, um, for those that don't know, if you're visiting us um, this morning, we are in a mega series on Revelation. Uh, that has been wonderful. Even preaching uh, some of it has been really eye-opening and have learned so much about uh, Revelation and what it was all about. Uh, But we've only just scratched the surface. We have many more weeks to go on Revelation, but we are just going to take a little break as we are um, approaching Lent, um, as Joe said. And and so really I wanted to spend this Sunday, as we sort of approach Lent, asking the question, uh, what is Lent? You know, what is it all about? And actually, what I feel um, God is inviting us into um, as we approach Lent and what it is that, what posture we can um, enter into that season and what uh, he wants to bring into our lives, I believe. Um, And so for those that have no idea what an earth Lent is, uh, what even is Lent, um, it's basically the season within the church where we anticipate The victory of Jesus, where we celebrate all the wonderful things that he has done through his life, his death, and then we celebrate his resurrection at Easter um, on the cross, where he has once and for all defeated sin. And so we are um, in that season of remembrance. We're remembering all the wonderful things um, that he has done. And we're asking God in this, uh, in this way that we fast, we're asking God to search us. Search us, God. Where are we not living under? Where are we not living in the fullness of what you have done for us um, on the cross? And, uh, and this Lent uh, period, these 40 days, um, they, are, they represent Jesus being tempted um, in the wilderness, as Lauren just read for us. And so, we are going to camp out in Matthew 4, basically. Um, and I'm going to pull some stuff out of uh, Matthew 4, Jesus' experience in the wilderness that will bring us into this Lent season, I hope. Okay, so if you've got your Bible, just stick it open, um, or, it, or the verses will come on the screen. And, uh, and we're basically just going to take a little bit of a journey through uh, basically, the context here for those that are not familiar is that uh, Jesus is on the scene, <clears throat> and uh, and he has just been baptized by John the Baptist. So he has had his baptism, and for those that know, it's well known that he uh, comes out of the water, and the heavens open, and the voice of God declares that Jesus, this is my Son, whom I love with whom I am well pleased. You know, this is God's declaration of Jesus's identity. You know, there is no, um, there is no hiddenness about this. This is like a public communication of who Jesus is and what God thinks uh, of Jesus, of uh, what the Father thinks of Jesus. And, uh, and so that has, that has happened, and then we get to chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, Then the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. And some translations say tempted. Now, the word here um, for tested, um, tempted, the Greek word is "parazo." I think that's how you uh, pronounce it, parazo. Um, and this word, it basically means for, um, it means to reveal what's inside a person. So he is being taken into the wilderness to reveal what's inside him. And one translation says it's to reveal the weakness within you. We're tempted and tested to reveal the weakness within you. Um, I was thinking of some illustration just to help understand, and this sort of breaks down a little bit. But it's a bit like taking your Spanish exam. You know, if you go into an exam and you take Spanish, you're tested, aren't you? But you're tested to see if you've revised, if you've done any learning of Spanish at all, if you're not a Spanish speaker. You know, there's this testing, revealing what is in the person. And therefore, it's this... um, It's in this moment, really, where Jesus is revealing to us who he is. He's revealing to us who he is. Okay, so verse 2 says, after fasting, so Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And he, I mean, I can't even imagine fasting. I barely get through 40 minutes, but... Fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, you know, Jesus is, he's fully human, fully divine, fully human. He is starving, starving, hungry, starving, and then the tempter comes. Then the tempter comes. And for, for again, those that are new to any of this, the tempter without just, let's put all of it on the table. The tempter is the evil one. The tempter is the devil. And, you know, we don't know a ton of origin. We don't know the origin of evil. But we know evil is a creature in rebellion. It's a creature in rebellion that this is what you need to know. Hates good. Hates anything good. The devil hates anything that has life. Hates humans. I know it all sounds harsh, but we have to know this. He hates it. He hates life, hates good, hates humans, and wants us to doubt with every part of his being our place before God. He wants us to doubt the essence of who we are and who we are made to be. I'm being like that firm because we've got to have like a, a reality check. You know, this reality, it isn't, it isn't just humans making bad choices. This is Satan. This is evil that is at work. And, you know, um, even thinking about this, we have a, 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 perhaps a different um, understanding of evil. And, you know, we sort of want to sort of push it aside or kind of even um, not think about it too much, you know. But I really do think as the church we need a bit of a wake-up call That we aren't battening flesh and blood as Ephesians, you know, Ephesians 6, but we are fighting powers and principalities of evil and darkness. And you know, that evil is what Jesus came to defeat. His vocation was to defeat evil. And what we see here is that the tempter comes at this opportune time, doesn't he? He comes at this opportune time when Jesus is vulnerable, Jesus is hungry. He knows. He knows that he's feeling that weakness within him. Okay, going into the temptations then. First temptation. The temptation to doubt identity. Verse 3. It says, if you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. You know, Jesus, as I said, has just been told. You know, he's just been um, given this beautiful word over his life that you are my son. You are who I love, who I'm well pleased. This exact identity is then being tested straight away into the wilderness, tested. And this word if is key here, isn't it? The enemy is using this if it's it's a word that undermines what God is saying about Jesus. And he's using this if because the enemy is using Jesus' circumstance to undermine. He's basically saying, if you are the son that he loves, if you are the son that he loves so much, how can you be hungry? How can you be starving? Surely, surely a father that loves you, he wouldn't wouldn't make you hungry. If he really loved you, your circumstances would be really different. The enemy is using the circumstance of hunger to undermine the trust Jesus has in the father's love and faithfulness to him. He's basically trying to say to him, don't trust. You can do something about that. He doesn't really love you, so you better go do something about it. (laughs) Take matters into your own hands, basically. Doubt who you are. Doubt that you are the beloved. The question then is, does he trust the Father? This is the temptation. Does he trust the Father with his whole life? Even when circumstances are really, really hard? Or will he take matters into his own hands? You know, honestly, how many of us hear that voice? If God really loved me, I wouldn't be in this situation. You know, if God really loved us, my circumstance would look completely different. You know, I wouldn't be ill, I wouldn't be suffering, I wouldn't be single. I wouldn't be poor. I wouldn't be in this horrible relationship. I wouldn't be in this dead-end job. Who's hearing that voice right now? Who's hearing it? Or perhaps your identity is robbed by, how, by the voice even that says, how can he possibly love you? How can you possibly be the beloved?" And then the temptation is to go and find other ways for you to be lovable. I'm not going to trust that he loves me, so I'm going to find all these other ways that will make me lovable. And so how does Jesus respond? Verse 4, Jesus says, "'Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God.'" And as we know, that you know, this is quoting from Deuteronomy 8, where the Israelites were also tested in the wilderness for 40 years. And it says in that, if you go back to Deuteronomy, it says to test what was in their hearts. To test what was in their hearts. Jesus is saying, he's basically saying, my life is beyond the physical. It's beyond the physical need of bread. True life is beyond my circumstances. That's what Jesus is saying. I don't live on physical bread alone. He said, but God's word over me, his word over me, that for Jesus says, my son, for us, my son, my daughter, whom he loves, whom he he is well pleased with, is more real. That word over your life is more real than any circumstance, however difficult. I mean, that is tough to take, but that's what Jesus is saying. The word over my life is more real than anything else in my life. Because that word for Jesus, that word for us, is eternal. Bread alone isn't eternal, but that word over you is eternal. What are you trusting in? Okay, temptation, second temptation. Okay, the, temp- te- the, the temptation to control. Verse uh, 5 says, then he took him to the holy city. Um, and I was reading this uh, as I was studying it a little bit this week. Um, he's not really taken to the holy city. It's like this vision experience. He's taken into this vision experience where he's taken to the holy city, and he's set um, upon the highest point of the temple, where the temple is the place of God's presence. And again, the enemy says, if you are the son of God, again, getting into that identity thing, if you are the son of God, you know, the beloved, all that, throw yourself down for it is written, la, 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 la. He quotes Psalm 91. Again, this word, if, it's this undermining word, if you are the beloved, doubting identity. The enemy then uses the Bible. (laughs) It's like a you know, clever tactic. He's going to use the scriptures to come and to uh, bring temptation and testing to us. He quotes Psalm 91. And again, we don't have time to sort of read and unpack it, but Psalm 91, it's a psalm of trust in who God is. It's a psalm that helps us trust God. It's In, in all in tough situations, it's, it's, um, it's a psalm that helps us trust in who He is and in His goodness when we're struggling. But the enemy in this, he manipulates it to make, to make God's faithfulness serve in this story Jesus' end, to serve his end. So jump off, the enemy says, you know, and then you're going to need saving, and the scripture says that you're not going to get hurt, so do it, you know, test, show us that you are the beloved. It's testing, it's testing God's, um, it's testing our trust in his goodness, really, isn't it, and who God is. And Jesus then says, in response, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, I'm quoting um, Deuteronomy 6, where the Israelites are tested um, in the wilderness. You know this this test I believe it puts God into our service. It puts God into our under our service. You do this for me. And this is not how God works. This isn't how he operates. This isn't the relationship uh, that we are being invited into or are invited into. The temptation to make the relationship like a slot machine. And how often, (laughs) again, how often do I, do we do this? That we become entitled for God to move in a certain way. We want God to move how we want God to move. It says that you're going to do that, so do it now, God, to serve me. You know, if he loves you, you're entitled to God solving all your problems, but I'm I'm entitled for God. He says He's going to do this, and why hasn't He? That we're entitled for Him to make our lives happy. <laughs> I mean, that just is so flawed, by the way. That somehow becoming a Christian, we're going to have a happier life. It's the lie that stops us trusting who He is and His goodness and his faithfulness, and his will, and his way, no matter what. Okay, third temptation. Tempted to take the glory. (laughs) Verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Again, visionary experience. Took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you. If you will bow down and worship me. I mean, here we see there's a bit of a tactic change. Uh, He's sort of, you know, he's clearly can't shake Jesus's uh, security in in the identity God has given him. The Father has given him. He trusts God's word over his life, and now he's going for power, (laughs) just outright power. Can he be tempted by gaining power? And this undermines Jesus' destiny to be king over all. But the way Jesus is king over all is completely different. It's a completely different way. Jesus is bringing about his kingdom. He's bringing about God's kingdom. But in self-sacrificial love, which we see on the cross, this is an upside-down kingdom. This is an upside-down power. And you know, perhaps this is the voice we hear. You know, a desire for glory, to push yourself forward just a little bit, to gain instead of to serve, to push instead of letting someone go. And Jesus' response, he says, Jesus, he says, he says, away from me, Satan. And I read that, because I like to, with like a bit of a, oh, I'm really annoyed now. You know, that like authority coming, away from me, Satan. You know, I believe that Jesus is crossed because the whole kingdom is being undermined in that moment. He says, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, serve him only. You know, Jesus is showing utter dependence. Jesus is showing us sacrificial love. And the enemy is undermining that whole purpose. The whole way of the kingdom is being undermined. And he's like, away from me, Satan. I will not come under that. That is not the kingdom of God. Only his will for my life. Not not my will, but yours be done. Okay, that was all instruction. So what is that? What is it all about? What is all of that about? What we're seeing here in um, the temptation, if when, we're, when we read this, when we're reading the temptations of Jesus, we are seeing here that Jesus is passing the test. Jesus is passing the test. You know, I said um, earlier that this is um, this this whole wilderness section. It corresponds with the Israelites spending forty years in the wilderness. Did they pass the test in the wilderness when their hearts were tested? Did they pass it? No, they failed the test. Again, it's reminded me of, of Genesis where the enemy comes and he lies to Adam and Eve and says, You can be powerful, you can have it all. Did they pass the test? They failed the test. Do you think you and I passed the test? No, we fail. I'm going to get so certain motion. <laughs> But what we see here is Jesus passing the test. He passes this test. He is victorious over the evil voice in our lives. He is victorious. You know, his victory is defeated on the cross, but it starts here in the wilderness where he says, Go away from me, Satan. Done. He is victorious over the enemy's lies and the voices in our head that want to bring about corruption and death in our lives. You know, I used to always think, um, I used to always think when reading this that it was a bit harsh, that, um, that God would, you know, that the Spirit would take Jesus into the wilderness you know, that he would be led by the Spirit to go through all of that. You know, I used to read it like, oh, that's so harsh. That makes me think, you know, who is God and da 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 But actually, even as I was thinking about it again in a fresh way, you know, Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness is his mercy. You know, this is an act of God's utter kindness. that he would lead himself into the tempter's voice, into the tempter's arms, because he knows we will fail. And so he is victorious over it. He is defeating it. He has defeated it. That when the voice of the tempter comes to us, Jesus knew it would come, and it does, we all know. The voice of the tempter comes to reveal our weakness. That's what, that's what he does. He wants to reveal our weakness. We get to cling to Jesus. We get to cling to Jesus because he has ultimately defeated that power in our lives. And by the power of his spirit, the gift of his spirit living in us, we can say, away from me, Satan in Jesus' name, <laughs> and is defeated. It has no authority, no power in your lives through the powerful name of Jesus. The Spirit, therefore, led Jesus into temptation on our behalf. This is his mercy. This is his kindness. This is the enactment of what God has done through, the, through, sending, Jesus, Jesus's, um, through sending Jesus to us. He's gone before us to defeat the enemy's power. And, you know, as disciples, uh, we are in the wilderness. (laughs) As disciples of Jesus, we're in the wilderness. That's what it means to be a disciple. We are in the wilderness. The voice is real, isn't it? For not one second am I saying that the enemy's voice is not real. The temptation is real. The testing is real. You know, even in this week, even five minutes before I come up here, you know, it's real. Who are you? God's not going to use you. Really? Are you the beloved? Really? You know, it's so real. Even friends, um, this week, talking about ways in which the enemy's just lying, 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 lying. You know, it is real. The temptation is real. That's why Jesus says to us in the Lord's Prayer that we pray every day at noon, Lead me not into temptation. He knows it's going to come. Deliver me from evil in Jesus' name. Jesus tells us to pray that every day because he knows it's coming. You know, as we follow Jesus, we enter into this tension, don't we? We're led into this upside down way to live. The voice will come and Jesus knew it would. That's why he's gone before us. So, I'm coming in to land then. So, as we approach Lent, getting back to Lent, as we approach this season, as we're renewing our rhythms, as, as, uh, as Joe just said, this isn't a season. Um, it's not a season of feeling rubbish about ourselves. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it's not a season of um, starving ourselves to gain some sort of, um, you know, reward that maybe we are really loved or maybe you'll love us more if we starve or we do this, we give up this, you know. That isn't the point. But it's a season to ask God, where am I being tempted? Where am I being lied to by the enemy? Where am I not fully clinging to Jesus? Where am I colluding with the enemy's voice in my life? Where am I coming under his power? Where am I stepping into the lie? Where am I not depending upon his faithfulness? Where am I being undermined? And it's a season for a fresh revelation of the victory Jesus has over that in your life. To know that Jesus has gained power on that, over that voice. I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says, There are in the end only two ways to read the Bible it's basically about me, or basically about Jesus. In other words, it's basically about what I must do, or about what he has done. Until I see that Jesus fought the real gains sin, law, death. For me, I will never be able to fight giants in my life. Unless I see that Jesus made sacrifices for me, I will never be able to make the normal sacrifices of life. Unless I can see him forgiving me on the cross, I won't be able to forgive others. Unless I see him as forgiving me for falling asleep on him, Matthew 27, I won't be able to stay awake for him. Lent is about him. It's all about Him. It's all about what He has done. It's not about fixing up ourselves. It's not about becoming stronger. It's actually recognizing how flippin' weak we are, how weak and dependent upon God we need to be, that we are weak. We fail. We will fail. But by the power of His cross, His death, resurrection, the Spirit living in us, is the power within us that is victorious over evil. We don't need to be anything other than we are, except for clinging to him, cling to him, invite him in to everything. Okay, how then? We recognize, number one, we recognize this Lent, where we're being lied to, where we're colluding, where are we agreeing with the enemy's voice. We need to open our eyes, like seriously, open your eyes. This isn't. Um, it's not just you bad-talking. It's from the pit of hell. Like, stop agreeing. Do something about it. This is Satan's voice that wants to undermine and rob you and take away everything that he has, all the things that he has for you to do, who you are, and all the things that he wants for you in your life. Where are we being tempted to doubt identity, that you are a son or a daughter, that he's loved? Where are you counting yourself out? Where are you being tempted to take control of your own life? You know, did he really care for me? I should just keep this section of my bank account secure. I won't give it to him because I'm not quite sure that I can fully trust. I need to control this part of my life because I don't fully think that he's as good as he says he is. And where are we being tempted, honestly, to take glory? For ourselves, to, to gain, to push others down. When Jesus' way is sacrificial love, lay yourself down. We lay ourselves down for the other. Where are we taking offense? Okay, we recognize and we remember. We remember his victory, like I said. And we choose scriptures. I have chosen scriptures in my life to counter the accusations and the ways that the enemy undermines me that have completely changed my life. You know, I, I speak that the scripture in Romans that nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I say that over myself every day. It is literally the rock that I stand on. There is no other rock to stand on but the love that is found in Christ Jesus. Nothing else, everything else will shake at you This is the rock that we stand on, and we get to speak that over our lives. It will 100% change your life. But as we remember, the enemy will make you um, recognize, and then he'll make you hide. So he'll he'll tempt you to reveal what's in you, and then he'll say, Oh, that's awful. Hide that away. Hide it away. And then you're riddled with shame. You keep it back, you keep it under a cover, no one knows about it, and the enemy's still victorious. So you've recognized, but then you're hiding. We need to recognize and bring it all to Jesus. That, like I said, we don't fix ourselves, we don't strive to fix up ourselves, but we bring our weakness all of our mess, all of the brokenness, everything that he already sees, to him. And we say, Lord, over to you. I am weak, but in you I am strong. I can do all things because you're in me. It's the beautiful description of strength in weakness that we just can't get. But I really feel that he wants his church to get it. To get that it's his strength in our weakness, but we want to hide our weakness instead of saying, Be strong in my weakness. I'm giving it to you. And then we re- we repent. We recognize, we remember, and we repent and say, Lord, I am sorry where well, I am shaking hands with the enemy. I'm believing these lives that are not from you. I have walked in those temptations. I'm taking control. I am so desperate for glory and gain, and I haven't given them to you, Jesus. We repent and we pray with the authority given to us in the power of His Spirit get away from me, Satan. Let's pray. Why don't you stand? It's quite heavy. I feel like I need to do some sort of jingle or dance or something. But it's good news. Do you hear the good news in that? It's so hope-filled, isn't it? Oh, okay, Johnny. We let's just um, invite the spirit. He's already here. But Holy Spirit, we just oh, we're so grateful, Jesus. We are. We're so grateful for what you have done for us. That we sometimes don't see things as your mercy. <laughs> you are so merciful. You're so kind in all the ways that we just don't understand. And we are asking you, Spirit of Jesus, would you just come and would you minister? Would you move? And I'm asking God with the authority that is given to me. By the power of your Spirit, I ask now that you would break Satan's lies over minds in this room. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you bring to the attention now ways in which you are being undermined. See them for what they are. They have no power of you. They're like little maggots that need flicking off. They're that small. They're that powerless. And so we break it off in the powerful name of Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, Let's just sit in this moment.